This is a South Pacific EO production. Welcome to episode 59 of the EO Business Podcast for Asia Pacific. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with Anders Sorman Nielsen from EO Sydney and your company Think. Hi, Anders. Great to be with you on the show, Brennan. So you describe yourself as a futurist. What the hell is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, my mum thinks I'm a glorified astrologer, but um, you know, I'd like to think that we probably have a, a little bit more uh, more impact and uh, maybe future now. So no offence to all the fantastic <laughs> astrologers out there, of course. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, essentially, you know, I get to act like a, a science fiction author for. Um, for organizations that are trying to chart a new course into the future. Um, I'm not in the uh, prediction game, but I am in the preparation game. Okay. So my role and, and the role of my company from a, from a research perspective and a strategy perspective is to, you know, help turn data-based insights into foresight and fundamentally transformation and execution uh, on on strategies that are future fit for organisations like Microsoft and Adobe, Facebook, but also down to to smaller businesses, including you know family businesses and SMEs. So you were saying that you uh, earlier before we jumped on the call that you try and help companies um, change before they get disrupted. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Uh, I think in many ways now as well, we have to recognize that, you know, the era that we used to refer to as, you know, the era of digital disruption, say from sort of 2005 to, you know, 2019, uh, when many industries and, 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 and companies were being digitally disrupted, that, that digital disruption in many ways was a, a dress rehearsal for what COVID-19 has really become the burning platform for, which is that organizations have to massively transform both digitally and, and culturally to ensure that they are future fit. So in some ways, the era of digital disruption was a really great dress rehearsal for all of us to get our, our marketing right, our processes right, about ensuring that you know our, our supply chains are digitally lean, et cetera. Uh, and you know, if you didn't do that during the dress rehearsal, well, you've probably copped it a lot harder than, than, than your competitors who might have digitally transformed even prior to COVID-19. And so technology today really is, you know, our lifeline in this era when we, you know, our analog hearts are no longer free to roam around. How, how do you think big companies are actually going? Like are they, because my perception is, is that big companies that, you know, they're big ships and it's often hard to get them to change course. How do they, how do they cope with um, this current environment? I mean, again, it is uh, it is largely you know culture dependent, and I, I certainly see this um, working you know across across the world and in four continents. You know, you you get a bit of a sense for whether a culture is is future fit or whether they have a really big sort of rear view mirror, um, where they're looking you know at history as as a as a predictor of the future, which is not always the best thing to do, right? So. Um, so I think you know cultural um, cultural curiosity, uh, you know willingness to learn, um, you know, and and having that sort of culture for curiosity, agility, innovation, creativity, embedded from the CEO 
downwards throughout the organization certainly is key and um, you know we have we have clients who've been able to to steer their ships and, and change the direction you know faster than others um, you know we over index yes uh, in technology uh, companies so they tend to be a little bit more nimble particularly in, in times like like these but it's you know it's heartening to even see that you know some of our more traditional clients like the likes of John Deere for example you know that we used to think of as you know so the, manager- these are like the farm equipment that sort of yeah exactly so uh, the more the more yellow you have on your farm the more yellow and green you have on the farm in America traditionally you know meant the more successful you were as a farmer uh, I guess it's the sort of Mercedes of farming equipment okay uh, and you know, even John Deere is really just a technology company with a with a license in 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 manufacturing great equipment for the farm. Um, they've you know made this pivot into understanding that, as any organisation should be, it you know big or small, that you know fundamentally today we're all technology companies with a license in our old industry. Right. Okay. Uh, that means you know a bank is that really just a technology company with a banking license, or a or a retailer is just a you know technology company with a retail license. And so, give us an example of when, like I don't know, a smaller company might come to you because I think a lot of the EOs listening um, to this might relate. You know, say let's say a company with I don't know ten to fifty people. How would you work with them to um, help shape? Uh, decisions to to go into the future. Yeah, so I mean we've we've worked with uh, SMEs and family businesses and you know EO and YPO members, um, and oftentimes I get contacted to see if we can you know reimagine what their business model might be all about, or you know how to scale in a sustainable fashion, or you know with um, with one fast growing. Uh, printer in Sydney uh, that we've been working with in a, in a strategic um, strategic advisory capacity for a number of years. You know, there used to be a, a mom and pop shop printer uh, on the corner uh, in a place in North Sydney for many, many years. And it was a second generation business. And the new generation owner really wanted to kind of add a little bit of fuel to the to fire and take it from being, you know, just a printer. And we know that those organizations have had a lot of challenges of the last 10 to 20 years and see how they could, you know, really step into, you know, the creative space to do everything, not just, you know, manufacturing, you know, pretty brochures, but, you know, also do the creative work for those brochures, how they could increasingly not just um, talk to a manager in the marketing department, but how they could increasingly have conversations with a CMO, for example. And so they've had to build a lot of capability to really pivot their business from being someone that, you know, gets involved when, uh, you know, something needs to be printed and be delivered really fast to being much more involved at a strategic level. And so throughout that um, process, really over the last 10 years, we've been engaging them in scenario planning to look at how they can reimagine their fundamental skills, you know, where they need to recruit new uh, new staff and talent to be able to have some of those higher level conversations. We've been involved in their um, branding as a as a sounding board to see how they can kind of reposition themselves from a mom and pop shop uh, to one that's going to be taken seriously by you know some of the large corporations in Australia as really you know a, a full you know in house. 
uh, yes, manufacturer of printed goods, but also of digital communications and as a great, you know, omni-channel partner that can deliver seamless customer journeys on behalf of, you know, some of Australia's largest corporations. So, you know, that's... You so know, that's I'm, a- I'm smelling that it's worked, has it? Because the, if they yeah, if they, if they, they keep you on the... Uh, keep getting you to advise them and and they've made changes, I'm, I'm assuming it must have worked. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is when I started working with them, which is now 10, 10, 11 years ago, you know, they were they were 20 staff members and now they're up to 120 uh, and uh, and doing really, really well. So, um, yeah, they can't complain. And, and so, you know, it's it's for me, it's a lot it's a lot of fun working, you know, with organizations like that that are really fast growth and where there's ambition for for transformation and where, you know, where history and legacy is not necessarily a, you know, it's not a decelerator, um, but rather they kind of go, hey, here's some great family values, but how do we take this into, you know, into a digital world as well? So, and what about like you mentioned Microsoft and Adobe and some of these bigger companies? Yep. How do you get the fire started there? Like, is it a a small team of people that are sort of I don't know, fighting the battle or singing your singing the praises of change within the organization. Like, walk us through a a typical bigger customer how that works. Yeah, so we typically engage with them in a, in a variety of different ways. So with with Microsoft and and ING Bank and Adobe, for example, we often help them create digital content so that they get to reach their market. So that might be more of an external process where we get involved. So with Microsoft, you know, we've just uh, co-authored or have or been commissioned to write a paper on the future of artificial intelligence in, in retail uh, as uh, a way for retailers to be resilient in the middle of COVID pandemics and corona crises. Uh, with Adobe, they actually, you know, they use me as a bit of a brand advocate for the for the rise of the the creative economy so we're doing things like linkedin live series and interviews and video content for them and also created a adobe creative intelligence diagnostic uh, and then with ing bank again we released the research report on the future of work in australia uh, and the rise of what we term the, the second renaissance which is the rise of the creative economy as machines and ai do more menial work we get to focus as humans on more meaningful more creative work which should should be a nice booster for all the entrepreneurs listening in today uh, of your creative (laughs) capabilities that's the future ladies and gentlemen so um but again so i guess in those instances i get to work with you know marketing departments to help those brands i guess also use a little bit of the halo effect of working with with a, a futurist hopefully well respected um who can help them bring interesting content to the market. Right. So that's, that's a little bit different from kind of getting involved in a, in a transformational process, which we also do. Um, and so we're working with a large um, ASX-listed company at the moment in, in, the, in the beauty industry, working with their executive team and their leadership team on transforming the culture, getting them to think more innovatively and, and creatively. And that's a, you know, that's a 12 to 24-month process where we – curate content, engage in, you know, hybrid learning modules, given the the state of play at the moment, uh, and get to curate and, and do a bespoke sort of transformation program for that organization. What does your team look like? Is it like, are you the, the master that gets wheeled in or have you got a, a team backing you up? How, how does that all work? 
Yeah. So I mean, luckily, from having been in this space, you 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 make you make friends and you meet people who are good at what they do. Um, and so, depending on the project, uh, sometimes clients, like in in the last instance I shared with you, they sort of say, "Hey, we want the let's call it." the Anders show and then you know I certainly have a team behind me that can can help with videography and and podcasts and vodcasts and delivering and building you know uh, e-learning platforms and all the rest but sometimes clients will also say hey we want you and some of your you know thought leader mates to come in and I get to then I get to curate a longer term project with uh, with other thought leaders you know futurists you know leadership experts um, you know, the types of people you would hire for, you know, an EO global conference, for example. And so we certainly, you know, work with those and, and, and source some of the best talent from around the world when, when clients want that. You, you were saying that uh, creativity is the future. So it sounds like you're, you're definitely uh, drinking your own Kool-Aid in that regard. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, you know, we've got to, got to walk the talk, right? Yeah. So, um, but also, you know, when I when I do look at trends, uh, you know, I think in in Australia, you know, the you know STEM subjects have been heralded as and STEM education has been heralded as 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 the future for kids and 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 adolescents. And I tend to disagree with the fact that we should just be focuses on you know on sciences, technology, engineering, and maths, or or our left brain, you know, which is logical, sequential, mathematical, you know. They are all, you know, they're all important skills, no doubt. Um, but they're also skills that are easier to 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 copy and duplicate, you know, by robots and and AI. So yeah, right. Okay, that makes sense. Which which means that you know humans need to tap back into our creativity, our you know our interpersonal skills, our emotional, you know, leadership skills, and uh, spend more time innovating and creating. Which is, of course, you know, good news for entrepreneurs. So trends seem to be coming and going at a, a far more rapid rate. Um, what are some of the like broad areas you see opportunities in at the moment? Like say if you were doing a startup or looking to move into, you know, you had some money to burn and you want to invest in a, a certain area, what are some of the hot areas at the moment that well, maybe have I- some longevity as well? You, you mentioned well- AI, for example. Yeah, and if I, I guess if I quote the ING Future Focus, which is the Future of Work report we released in May 2020, um, you know, we highlight a few of these different areas. But certainly, you know, in an era where we're all, you know, working remotely, this puts new pressures and, and creates new vulnerabilities in terms of, you know, our cyber backbone to society. So cybersecurity is certainly one space, I think, that I'm, I'm watching very, very closely. Um there's also, of course, um, you know, we don't want to be hacked at home and mm. certainly our corporations that, you know, we work for or that we collaborate with don't want, you know, external vendors being hacked uh, or be, you know, uh, run the risk of being a Trojan horse, for example. So um, cybersecurity certainly is one as, you know, the world becomes more connected and as, you know, our homes get connected to the internet of things there's all sorts of vulnerabilities and 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 certainly that's one area uh, i watch very very closely Uh, the other one is of course you know sustainability and sustainability tech we do see uh you know a big move away from investments in you know in 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 traditional uh, burning of fossil fuels and and you know use utilization of of dead dinosaurs in favor of 
you know, tech-enabled tools like solar and, and renewables. So certainly the energy sector is one um, that, you know, fascinates me as well uh, as we move towards, you know, new exponential technologies in that space. Um, certainly if you're taking a longer-term view that, you know, that's that's an, a space where you, you'd, you know, want to participate. Um, you know, other areas, of course, is just looking at, you know, how e-commerce and, and is going to be buoyed by things like drone delivery and, and new last mile um, innovations in mobility. Uh, I mean, e-commerce in, in the United States, for example, during the pandemic has gone from 16% of retail to 27% of all retail in terms of market share. And that's uh, not stopping there, right? You know, people are adopting new shopping behaviors, but they're also going to want a seamless experience uh, around their shopping experience. And that will include uh, things like, you know, drone delivery. And for example, today I'm talking to you from, um, we have a, a cabin at Mackerel Beach in Sydney. And so I'm working from here today, but it's water access only, and which, that, which means that you've got to schlep in, you know, all your supplies yourself. And so, you know, I'm welcoming the day that, you know, Woolies or Harris Farm or, you know, the, you know, organic grocer in Avalon Village can simply send me, you know, my my food and land it on our, you know, balcony here, for example. Yeah, that would be that would be a great and very, you know, human centric innovation rather than than me having to take the boat across and, and drive and, and do all those types of things. So so that's another area that we're, we're watching very, very closely. And of course, you know it would be a miss of me not to talk about, you know, biotech and, 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 uh, and med tech innovations, because, um, you know, this, this might actually be the thing that, you know, helps us get back on track and meet people in real analog life again. Um, and certainly, you know, there are some, some, some pharmaceutical companies and biotech companies that are making some real headway only in the last few months. And, and while you and I speak, we may not have the vaccine yet, um, certainly, there are uh, a lot of um, a lot of people in med tech who made great steps to you know to lower the you know the death rates from from COVID and, and figure out how they you know scale up medical systems better to, together with you know track and trace and, and, and digital advances um, you know we're able to to trace this thing a lot better as well. So that intersection of medicine and, and health and, and technology is another really, really fascinating space. Oh, that's awesome. Now, you're originally from Sweden. How did you end up in Australia? So, Tell us about that story. Yeah, so a long, long story really. But um, So my dad was always working in, uh, in the public service and um, in the Swedish military, which is, of course, a great career move because we never go to war. Um, uh, he's, he's done his international duties, both in Kosovo and uh, Afghanistan with international forces, as he always reminds me. But, uh, at the end of his career, he, uh, he was asked to become the Swedish defense attache in Canberra. So, uh, he asked the family whether we were interested. This is back in the late nineties. And, um, and I was very, very, uh, keen and so the whole family picked up sticks and, and moved to Canberra from Stockholm, Sweden. And uh, so we settled there for three years. I finished my um, my. Uh, how old were How old were you at that uh, uh, mid teens or yeah, sixteen? Okay. And uh, so I'm born in 1981, the golden year. And uh, uh, in uh, 1997 we moved to Australia, and then I finished school in '99. 
Um, and uh, I was really set on, uh, like I wasn't done with Australia, there, even though I knew, you know, my, my, my family was going to move back six, six to nine months later after finishing the HSC. Um, I wasn't done with Australia. So my, my target that whole final year of school was to, because uh, my parents couldn't afford the international um, fees at university in Australia, my target was to to get a, a fully funded scholarship from the university, which um, I ended up achieving. So, oh, congratulations! Amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so yeah, the ANU um, kindly offered me a full scholarship for for my international fees, which enabled me to uh, to study uh, both political science and law in um, at the ANU. So that's kind of how I, I came to Australia and managed to stay here. And since then, I've I've been back and forth a little bit between uh, between Australia and, and, and Europe uh, in a few stints, and then uh, also doing a you know a lot of my work before before lockdowns uh, was US based as well. So up until recently, my major market was in fact the United States, but that's a little bit on hold at the moment, given given the pandemic. So, were you um, were you doing the flight flights across, not via Zoom, or it just yeah, depended? So, I mean, this, this is in some ways the irony, right? People were hiring a futurist even even before the pandemic, um, and um, you know, I was I've been doing virtual conferences for you know 10, 11, 12 years, something like that now, uh, and I always try to pitch my clients on the idea of you know, wouldn't you rather just like zoom me in or teleport me in? And they're like, no, no, we want you to turn up in, you know, in New York or Los Angeles or um, Greenville, South Carolina or Peoria, Illinois or Chicago um, in real life and then tell a science fiction story from stage, which, you know, I'm thankful for um, uh, and Qantas is very thankful for. Um <laughs> All that flying, but uh, and which I should say we're we're all carbon offset. But um, uh, yeah, nowadays you know this is again you know if digital disruption was the dress rehearsal, you know COVID nineteen has become the burning platform for digital transformation. So now clients have said, hey, why don't you do a virtual conference? And I kind of feel like I've been saying so that was that. my idea <laughs> three yeah. years ago. Yeah, 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 exactly. So. Um, it's a space where we've been operating a, a fair fair while, but um, you know, certainly different experience to, you know, deliver something um, from Bilgola Plateau, which is where we have you know our studio now, uh, and where also home is, and, and and speaking you know to a digital interface, then you know turning up in you know in Mexico City and working with a you know large family conglomerate like the Kaluz group, for example, and talking to hundreds of people. It's a, it's a very different experience, certainly. Mm. And then um, what made you join EO? So I've, I'd heard of EO uh, on and off for many years. And, in fact, um, I remember uh, doing some strategy retreats for EO groups um, back in fairly early days of my business, in fact. I was invited by Christina Carlson, who's a – an EO alumni uh, from Kiki K, um, I think back in 2008 or 2007 to to work with her forum for their retreat. Uh, and I'd never heard of EO, but um, she said, oh, if you ever get a chance to join, you really should. And then, you know, business, you know, largely was overseas and I was spending, you know, up to 240 international travel days away from Australia for many years. And then um, 
when I moved to moved back to Sweden for a while in 2013 to try and help salvage my mum's family business, uh, retail menswear shop. Um, I spent three years over there. Um, and I tried to join EO Sweden then, which unfortunately didn't exist at the time. So the nearest chapter from Stockholm was in Berlin, two and a half fl hour flight time away. And I just thought, oh, doesn't really work. But hey, if I ever move back to Australia, I'll join the Sydney chapter. So when I moved back, uh, I got re-engaged into, uh, into EO Sydney. So, uh, so that's been a great journey. When I moved back, I'd sort of scaled down my business uh, fairly significantly from Europe, where I'd been, built up a digital agency as well. Um, so I kind of started from scratch to some degree in Australia and, um, and built it up again with the help of EO Accelerator and then have been in you know, big EO now for the last 18 months. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, Anders, well, if people want to uh, reach out to you, how's the best way to get in contact? Have you got a, a website that you can share? We do, yeah. So, yeah, we're across all the, you know, major social media networks. LinkedIn is always a good place to find me. Um, feel free to also just Google my name and, you know, even if you totally misspell it, Google will, will point you in the right direction. Um, <laughs> We do have a few books out there as well, Seamless, Digilog, and Aftershock, which was released at the beginning of this year. Um, they might be uh, ways to learn a little bit more about us as well. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, Anders, thanks for coming on the show today. Great to speak, Brendan, and see you in the future. You've been listening to a South Pacific EO production. I hope you've been enjoying listening to the podcast. If you are, it would be great if you could help us out by leaving us a review and sharing this with friends and colleagues.